Hey guys, I'm Mina. Hey y'all, I'm Ashley. And today we have a special guest with us. You may know him as the escape guy. Or just John. John <laughs> <laughs> I guess that works too. But anyways, welcome back to Through, Through the, the Cracks. just in general right now um so censoring in general i know everybody experienced the uh instagram outage a couple weeks ago and there's been a lot of controversy about instagram and so on with the um what was that that article that came the out New with York the Times study article? yes and the lady who was claiming that social media is bad for mental health especially for developing people children and teenagers and so on and how it's led to higher um suicide rates i think is what she connected it to so we're going to talk a little bit about that and censorship in general and um kind of just let that evolve into censorship in our whole lives because it's not only in social media but that's i think where we most often experience it especially in today's day and age um so i'm just going to go ahead and let john explain speak on that a little bit with his recent experiences hey how's it going and i think you brought up the best point in it all and that it doesn't apply just to social media but that's just a point where everyone's kind of connected right now and that's why i think we the topic at least begins there so i think it's a good place for us to start with that and uh for anyone who's not that familiar with me i do a bunch of different escape content or survival content uh, and health content. Um, you may or may not have seen me in chains on your page. Um, <laughs> Upside down in handcuffs. Yeah. That too. That, yeah. Right. That is it with a little more detail. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, it's just skills I've learned when I was a Green Beret in the military and then also did um, contracting for federal governments and other agencies, uh, mainly countering uh, human trafficking and whatnot, which to be honest, in, in a lot of the work there, you'll see censorship. But that's a little bit of a rabbit hole we we'll have to go down to get to later. But just back to like the obvious ones and back to uh, where I started on TikTok and Instagram where I was just trying to get more clients for because I train people going into either Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and they'll reach out to me uh, what they want to do or build a program or even talk about just our mental fortitude to be successful in either of those programs. So then I used my Instagram and TikTok to kind of find more of those clients and it honestly blew up way beyond what I ever thought it would. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. There was one day, like we creeped up to like a quarter of a million pretty quick and then all of a sudden I think it was like two or three videos and then... Yeah, I remember like, the day you yeah, hit a million. Right. I think it was just after we made that escape video with my little sister yeah. and yeah. yeah, we were all... Or no, it was after the first escape videos or was... Oh, no, 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 it was. It was the day that it we was... started making that video that right. we hit, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, and then it just kept going. Yeah. And it grew pretty quick, but you were right. like, I want to hit 1.5 by the summer. I was like, 1.5? You're going <laughs> to hit 2 by the summer. And yeah. He, no, he hit 3, right? Yeah. right? 3.7 or something? Right. I don't know. But anyways. Yeah, I mean, either way, it was just kind of cool to be able to... Um, the way, what I enjoyed most about it was kind of just showing the skills that I had and putting them out there and that some people and a lot of the information that I was getting back through DMs and whatnot were people who had similar experiences or and it gave them just a lot of confidence in yeah, going out. Yeah, it's very useful information. Right. And and I always even try to relate it beyond just the physical, uh, physical restraints, but talk more about the hidden fear of the mental restraints that a lot of people put on themselves or by other people in trying to escape. And that's the most like crucial part in really any of the escapes I teach people. It's, it's not really the restraint that's holding you back. It's the lack of knowledge, being able to get out and you can apply that to any situation in life. And I think that's another big aspect to what made it so successful. And then I started having a lot of people kind of catch on to that mentality. And so I kind of started, Instead of speaking it like in code a little bit, I kind of like talk, started talking more broadly about like the importance to be able to speak freely, the importance to be who you are, express, express yourself, um, the importance to have just conversations with people that you may not necessarily agree with, but to know and just like we were talking about a little bit before we started this, you know, I, I have some friends on one end of the political spectrum that are always like, freedom, you know, freedom, motherfucker. I'm like, yes, I agree. But they, you know, <laughs> for you sure. You have to say freedom for everybody, you know right, what I mean? Like, yeah. 
and or because if we don't have freedom for me you and everybody else like then our the freedom doesn't really matter and the same thing kind of applies to things when we talk about censoring because at the end of the day like your biggest form of expression is the way you can communicate mm -hmm. and the most basic form of communications that most humans use is just verbal and the fact that we are suppressing now that form of communication i find extremely dangerous because we see, we've seen it in many platforms before, not just TikTok, not just Instagram. We've seen it, you know, currently in China where people can't speak freely. We, mm -hmm. we see it in North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, where people routinely are attacked by their own government for more or less speaking out against them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm kind of amazed by, you know, the amount of people who are concerned with other people and different discriminations and other things that we seem to be f so hyper-focused on here, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it, it's just confusing to me when I see that hyper-focused lens here, but when it's occurring other places in the world, we all of a sudden no longer care. Yeah, that was a big thing that was really yeah. irritating me, especially recently when everything was going on in Afghanistan and um, you were speaking out a lot about it. Mm -hmm. You were one of the main people I knew of speaking out on a like more accurate you know, sense on it, and um, I was speaking out some on it and everything, and just trying to help educate people and spread awareness of the situation. And people were pushing back, and I mm -hmm. wasn't understanding why people had a problem with me speaking out for human rights in another country. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that I was, um, what did they say? It was like, um, you were diminishing uh, feminism here in the yeah, U.S. by, by focusing on it somewhere else, which mm -hmm. is like counterintuitive because right. um is the point not to have human rights for everyone across the board like that's at least what it means to me but then people were saying that because I was speaking out about it in another place that I it was somehow taking away from the human suffrage here but also it's not really I don't know it's not comparable right. to me that just, I don't know, it just blew my mind that people were having such an issue with that. And then not only that, but the censorship that was happening around that topic. Like, right. why would you censor people who are literally just talking in America? Why would America be censoring people who are talking about other people needing human rights? Right. And that's the one that I found very confusing on because I, once my account grew a little bit larger, I kind of noticed like what things... I was more or less allowed to talk about and not allowed to talk about. And they weren't banning me at that point or shit, but they were kind of just suppressing the information or suppressing my post. But it got to the point when, yeah, I was literally just talking about issues in Afghanistan and women's rights and uh, LGBTQ uh, plus rights there and whatnot. All those things that seem to be very popular here in the United States. And if you talk about it here in the United States, like you will almost be elevated and it's the other way around. People will be suppressed if they talk against you on that here. But all of a sudden, we brought it up there where I guess there was some type of political attachment to whether maybe they saw it as defending the Biden administration or something. Or But I didn't even mention Joe Biden or anything. I just simply talked about the repercussions of pulling out and what it was going to mean to women in Afghanistan. And that post got deleted. <laughs> That's was, so yeah. interesting right. to me. Yeah. And then I, I thought, you know, maybe it was just... a a little bit of too much military content in it. Maybe it was just a little bit too... You had a gun uh, in the background uh, or something uh, Harsh like or something, but then it's just like, man, like, it was so much less than so many other ones. And so I did made another one where it was just more or less me just simply speaking on what's happening there, uh, using only photos that I've used from other posts. And again, that, that one got taken down. And then I got a warning, and then it was just like the next day... I just, I was just like kind of over it. I was just like, screw it. Like, I don't need, like, TikTok's fun. I love that I could put a message out there, but that's not my livelihood. Mm -hmm. That's where I don't get my, um, like, we all need some type of uh, social connection with other people. And I try to do that in person. I don't solely identify that online. I don't solely get all my endorphins released when I have a video go viral. Mm -hmm. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I get more of that release from sitting and hanging here with you guys. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, you guys need to do this. I just want to post for a week. Like, I don't care. And it was strange because it was like five days later that they then took down another video from almost a year ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you me that and I was right. like, what the heck? And the thing is, even though all I'd peel all these videos... 
and they end up coming back up, the way that they have it is it's, it's all the violations. So it doesn't matter if they review it and say it's okay or not. It's if you get so many violations, then you get banned for a period of time. And then they're like, okay, well, since you had so many of these. Eventually they could like these, take down your whole account. Right. And I think it's like their way of like show, like telling me like, hey, like stay within your lane. Mm-hmm. We like that you make these whatever videos. It makes us a crap ton money. of money. Right. And then it's just like, but, you know, you, you step outside that realm. We talk about freedom too much, particularly in China, which, again, <laughs> like, it, it, it's wild. But it, it really is. I mean, you, we, we saw NBA players that were, were constantly were talking about uh, civil liberties here in the United States. That when we're asked about concentration camps, again, concentration camps in China, where people go to get reeducated, silence. Yeah. Because a big chunk of their money comes from them. And you see the same with Disney. Disney changing movies and plots of, of things that they want because of the way that they will influence too many like free thinking people in China. So they change that plot. And it, it's just fascinating. It is fascinating. One thing I will always give John and he he's very good about being devil's advocate. You know, like there's literally nothing that he can't speak educated on and if he doesn't like know enough about it that he feels like he can speak on it, then he goes and reads about it and finds the most accurate sources and things that he can find so that he can speak on it. And he always takes a very middle of the road approach or just like a very consistent approach no matter what the subject is and I very much appreciate and respect that because no matter what the topic is, I know that he's coming from a point of whatever is right is right I don't really give a shit what the political background or whatever is which seems to be a very common thing nowadays is everybody's so party loyal and everyone is like only supporting ideas that their party supports or so on or people and everything and then if there's like even somewhat of a concept that might be on the other side it's like nope sorry can't and I hate that because it's like I don't think I've ever met a person who truly believes that there's any party anywhere Sorry, y'all. My phone just had an aneurysm. What is going on? I don't know. It seems somewhat appropriate, though, to the conversation. Apparently so. Whatever the (laughs) screaming that's happening in the background. I don't even remember what I was saying. Um, I believe you were talking about just uh, the different how individuals will kind of get devolved in like their tribalism and kind of oh. really take their stance. And yeah. even though if there's something on the other side of the spectrum that they may even agree with, yeah. they can't possibly acknowledge But I it. feel like I don't know a single person who truly believes that there's any political party that truly represents them as a whole or that they fully agree with. And so I think it's really interesting that people still choose to be very party loyal and to be very aggressive and to be very like, oh, like... We can't be friends if you're on the opposite side, which is so interesting because I actually interned on the Senate floor a couple times, and um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but everybody on opposite sides of the aisle are friends. They what? like everyone in that room I'm talk shocked. to each other, like go have drinks together. That's normal. But then we have society and all like you know the people outside of that room, outside of the voting room, and everything that are like at each other's throats on opposite sides of the aisle and it's so like weird going into that room and seeing how it is and then going out and seeing how it is among like people who aren't elected officials so you know and and i think there's just a lot of things going on today that require a higher level of censorship and a higher level of emotional arguments and whenever that happens we're going to dive deeper into whatever tribe that we're a part of because we we, we almost know that we're drinking the juice. We, we almost know that we're, accept, whether we're a Democrat or a Republican, you know, we saw it in the George Bush era. It's like, I had really smart Republican friends that were just like going over these arguments. The weapons of mass destruction are there. Like there is just like these Intel reports wouldn't be wrong. It's just like, I got you. You know what I mean? Like generally the Intel community, I, I believe is a good community. I, I was a part of it. <laughs> but there's issues in larger governments of a whole. And it's generally not the good ground the people on the ground doing like the good work because those are generally the true believers. It it, it all be, then kind of builds up to the bureaucrats that are there and having to appease them, and they're only look at the information or intel that they see that benefits them. And that's the same struggle we saw in the Iraq War, which I very draw distinguish distinguish between the Iraq War and Afghan Afghanistan War. And I know that's confusing to a lot of people. Maybe that's a whole other conversation another day. <laughs> but I'm just trying to dive into the side of like how we become tribalists. And then also now with other things where um, I know COVID's a big topic. Yes, COVID's real. Yes, the virus is real. But 
not everything that they're putting out has been accurate. And any time that we criticize anything that's coming out that's inaccurate or doing things that may not make sense, all of a sudden, we're, I feel like it's the same thing that was happening in the early 2000s mm-hmm. with when the Republicans were more in charge, kind of like leading it. It's just like, yes, yeah, Saddam Hussein, bad person. Yes, he's doing these terrible things. But does he really have ma- weapons of mass destruction? And even if they kind of like made the case initially, like, yes, look at him. He's doing all these human rights violations. But when, when, when you lie about it and go into these other things... That something else is going to get filled with, you know, blood for oil and whatnot, which I don't even think is necessarily like the greatest argument because it didn't, we didn't, um, and OPEC gained a lot. But if people really know the extent of OPEC and who gets money from there, it wouldn't really make sense for the property in the United States. I think it actually more, uh, the corruption behind it was more the industrial com, military industrial complex versus <laughs> blood versus oil, which yeah. is just as, um, if you look at like the philosophy and the morals behind it, it's just as bad that you're sending people to die and not just from this country but in other countries if for not a true intention to grow and have these easy contracts in the military it's just like that's kind of bullcrap it's just like you're using something that's actually can be done for good but taking advantage of it just like we need to spend money on coronavirus we do need to have uh public health officials that we trust and try to come up with solutions mm-hmm. for everybody but as soon as we start seeing them lie in other things mm-hmm. and we see this a massive amount of money that's being spent to the point where you can now argue that there's a healthcare industrial complex where we can't even possibly if we wanted to audit these programs we wouldn't have any idea where all this money was going however it, it we could see the macro effects of it when we're looking at the disparity and where the wealth has gone in this last what 15 months and the transfer of wealth from primarily the middle class to again to the one two three percent which for some reason everybody argues is a problem but at no point do we ever talk about the solution because we're emboldened in all these emotional arguments mm-hmm. and the fact that there's amount of censorship out there that keeps us from even having real conversations whether it's on instagram TikTok, I that's the thing like it doesn't I, matter people don't want to have real conversations like I can't tell you how many times a day someone swipes up on something that I posted that's questioning something and then they don't even want to have a real conversation they just want to argue with me and tell me that I'm wrong and they don't even want to listen but I think the most mature thing anyone can do is be open-minded enough to change their opinion if they if they are presented with better information like straight up why why don't people do that more often because like to me, that makes sense. Like, if somebody presents me with information that makes more sense and they actually have proof and it, like, adds up, then if that differs from my opinion, then I'm more than likely to change my opinion to be like, oh, no, this is right because now I've been presented with different information. But what I knew before is why I had my other opinion. You know what I mean? But people don't want to change their opinions. They're so stuck in their in their ways and no one wants to have a productive conversation. And then when you have all the censorship and stuff going on, it's just, it's insane. Like, just this week, I posted some stuff about um, my health experience earlier this year and how I had a really bad adverse reaction to um, an antibiotic that was a super basic antibiotic that shouldn't have given me any problems, but literally was the worst thing ever and had me hospitalized and had, like, all these really severe um, repercussions on my health and everything. And so doctors have continuously told me to not take a very large amount of medications and a very popular thing that's going around right now because they think that it would be really bad for me or worse for me if I got it through that instead of actually just contracting COVID naturally um, because of my past health, you know, history and everything. But people are so hell-bent on being like, in their head and in their way and believing what they believe that they don't even want to hear me out and hear that I actually have a valid reason for not accepting the current push for a mandate. And I, when I posted all this stuff about it and I was posting my experience, I literally didn't even say anything about COVID in half of the slides. And I was just posting my experience, pictures of like my reactions and so on. And all of my things had these like COVID censorship tabs on them that said things that didn't even have anything to do with what I was talking about. And my point still stood, but it's almost like they were trying to counteract the information I was like trying to put out about, I don't know, being aware and being, um, conscious about your own healthcare decisions. 
Yeah. And it is, it is unfortunate. And I think just a lot of people don't even know what's real or or false almost anymore, especially with these type of conversations because there's so much misinformation out there, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, people on both sides. I've seen, you know, plenty of information of people pushing false information about like how bad the vaccine is or like saying it kill you instantly. Like I've yeah. seen those too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not yeah. just one not side putting out information. Right. You know what I mean? There's so far, again, I have personally chosen not to take it and that's my choice. Um, but I could still at the same time acknowledge benefits that we've seen statistically from people who have taken it. It's like for elderly populations, it does appear as if it's helping at least lower some of the symptoms from the people in that class, you know? And so it's just like, if I look at a study and that's what I see, that's what I see. I'm not going to be like, right. make There's an emotional argument against it. that. But at the same, but then at the same time, yeah. you start making the argument that we need to have healthy teenagers take it when we're starting to see a decent amount of myocarditis only within three to four months of taking it. And we still don't even know like the longer term implications. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, maybe can we like just pull the brakes on that just a little <laughs> bit or at least not mandate it? to you know allow the families to make that decision if they want to take that risk for them and their family especially and i think it would even definitely be a different argument if the vaccine uh prevented you from spreading but it doesn't right and then i i would still disagree with that decision that you have to force other people to make it but you would have a much better argument yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i'd listen a little longer right yeah um so a lot of the things that they're saying just still aren't adding up. And you look at populations like Israel that are like 90% vaccinated. And again, I don't have that information in front of me. I'm, that's a rough estimate. Uh, so it could be a little higher than 90, it could be a little lower than 90. But they're still struggling with the same problems there. And don't get me wrong, I don't, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking the vaccine, but it's not going to be the only way out of it. And the major underlying condition I've seen has just been people who are suffering from larger chronic conditions like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and all these things that are lifestyle choices. It blows my mind that nobody talks about the rate of cardiovascular disease in right. America because that is like the leading cause of death, death here, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But no one talks about it. Nobody talks about health care and keeping your gut healthy and keeping your body healthy and natural stuff like that that you can do every day in your life to make your immunity better or just your immune system better and just to be healthier overall so that you can fight anything that comes your way. I think that, like, that's just blows my mind that nobody talks about that that's not like common knowledge yeah. i don't know well yeah well and the thing is if they had the ticker on cnn or fox news every day the amount of people dying from cardiovascular disease you would see the much larger panic but it's just like okay well then where would we have to spend the money well we would have to more or less take away money from things that are already being spent on people who lobby for things such as high fructose corn syrup um the amount of glyphosate that spread uh, using uh, many of the crops throughout the Midwest, particularly on soy and corn. For example, like you, you just eating corn in the United States is significantly different than eating uh, any corn byproduct anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's just not because of what the food is, but is how we make the food. Yeah, and not even just corn. Almost any produce or anything produced in America is very different from produce in other countries. And I have lots of friends who have just gone to visit other countries or spent summers in France or wherever, and they came back here and said that the food here made them feel sick. And it's because of all the stuff that we spray on our food. They don't do that in other countries, not at the rate that we do. Right, yeah, no, particularly the rate and the types of chemicals that are mm-hmm. used. And then what's also approved by the FDA, which I'm still trying to figure out where this credibility for our public health officials has come from. Because it's <laughs> particularly many of the same individuals have spread many lies in the past. Like with, with when uh, Fauci was, he wasn't ahead of the AIDS pandemic, but and a lot of people aren't familiar with this, particularly in the 80s. Uh, it was almost quote unquote common knowledge that AIDS was going to be the number one killer for not just the homosexual community, but the straight community in general. And they pushed that so hard and false studies that Oprah Winfrey on her show came out and was warning the populace that one in five Americans was going to die from AIDS pandemic. Now, what this did was it got so much money and so much power to the healthcare system. And I think they learned from that. Like, holy crap, if we scare the crap out of people, 
we could get a lot of money and a lot of power. But what happened in that short period when people have forgotten now, because you know, luckily today we do have so much more support for the homosexual or LGBT community. But then a lot of people were discriminating against people who were gay. They didn't want to use the same bathrooms because they thought that it could be spread that way. They didn't want to even possibly hug these people because they were looked at as sick individuals that could possibly spread this AIDS virus to them. And it's kind of the same thing now happening. You'll see to people who are quote unquote unvaccinated who may have complete healthy immune systems, possibly even have the antibodies that have a better chance of uh, combating this virus, yet uh, is looked at as sick individuals because of the way our public health system is is phrasing this yeah and like you're saying how they were discriminating even more against the lgbtq plus community and everything that's similar to kind of in the beginning of the covid pandemic how a lot of the asian community were facing some hate and so on and um people were speaking out and saying mean things or they were subject to um a lot of hate crimes and things because people there was some individuals that were calling it the china virus and that was causing a lot of you know uprising and some different which wasn't good you know so this is like there's a pattern here there's a very it's consistent and i think it's interesting that more people haven't picked up on that right yeah and it's it's interesting yeah because if people truly want to look into the blame which there's reasons why we're not you could even start looking at a lot of the funding and again the public health community here in the united states that funded this gain of function research in that wuhan lab now it's not a hundred percent sure that that's where it came from, but it is looking like uh, patient zero did arise from there. And that was research being funded from the United States to try to actually combat a virus like this, which now coincidentally, it appears as if this is now the virus they started that they were trying to prevent, <laughs> which is actually kind of fascinating. And again, now that's just the running theory, but so what's interesting, many interesting is things. six months ago, you mentioned that at all the lab leak theory you, you, that you were called a flat earther, you were called conspiracy someone theory. insane, conspiracy, a conspiracy yeah. theorist. Also, if you are a conspiracy theorist, right. please hit up my DMs. I have right. so many questions. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. I, and that, that's the interesting thing about like conspiracy theorists. It's just like, when is it a conspiracy theorist and when is it just a decent theory? Because yeah. believe it or not, people like to think of like the people ultimate conspiracy theorists. People are afraid of what, what's different. They're afraid of what they don't know. Right. And people, again, like they think of conspiracy theorists, like the traditional one is as like the flat earthers and they're absolutely right. But what's very interesting is that the original conspiracy theorists were people that were saying that the world was round when people all thought that the world was flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those were the first. Saying the world was flat true, didn't make it any less round. round. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. And so it's just interesting of what's considered a conspiracy theorist or uh, relative theorists. It kind of all depends on who has the social high ground to be able to control that message. But again, back to, I, th- I just think it's so funny that we're having these healthcare professionals who know, I think, very little in actual like health of human beings, as far as at least on an individual basis. They have continued to fail over the years. In fact, the more money that we've given to the public health community in the last 40 years, the actual life expectancy and health of the american population has decreased you'd almost see a inverse correlation of the two that's and, so interesting you what? Know what I mean? and it's the same thing and then i'm not just trying to bash one side of the aisle or not i would be just as disturbed if someone was just like let's let dick cheney decide anytime we go to <laughs> war you know what i mean like no that's insane and it's just like oh, wait but we're gonna put fauci in charge of this like that's also insane which again was i think originally implemented by donald trump so again i'll knock him for that too that's really nothing to do with politics right a like i said before john is really good at calling people on their shit no matter what side of the aisle they're on like it doesn't matter if you're wrong you're wrong period that's just how it is i don't really care who you are what party you identify with what i I don't care you know like be consistent right and 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 i think it's hard for for certain people who don't kind of follow it like all the way so for some people that i see kind of get tribalist or kind of get backed in a corner. Like, I don't get mad at them or think they're, like, bad people. I think I've done it some points in my life when I kind of knew less and was less confident in having my own opinion. So I was just like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, check it out. This group over here, they're not right all the time. But as long as I agree with their bullcrap, when I'm wrong, they'll defend me too. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go hide out in this Republican Party or I'm going to go hide out in this Democrat Party because as long as I say pro this or anti this... I'm cool and I'll have a certain amount of friends. You know what I mean? 
And so it's I don't even give a shit how many right. friends I have anymore. 100%. I'm speaking you know? what I believe and that's just it. If you don't it, if you don't like it, leave. Right. Straight up. Exactly. And I've literally had to say that to almost hundreds of thousands of followers at points. It's just like, again, like if you can't agree with everything, like I would be skeptical of somebody if they came in the room and was just like, you, sir, I agree with everything you say. I'd be like, who are are you? (laughs) What planet did you come from? And and also really, that's the last person I'd even want to have a conversation with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I want my ideas challenged. You know, I want you to push me What were you saying like a couple weeks ago about how you like, you have more respect almost for people who say they don't know, like when they answer a question rather than acting like you know everything. Because it's like, being vulnerable in that sense and being able to say honestly i don't know i'll get back to you when i've done some more research to me that's very mature it's very much an educated approach to if you don't know something rather than just trying to like you know beat around the bush and find a way to answer it yeah it's very ironic when i hear someone say i don't know i instantly look at that person and go that person knows what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) simply because i i i at least have a general idea that they're not a hundred percent full of shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, hey, that's fair. percent, right. not a hundred. Yeah, right. I mean, that's fair. Right. And so I'm generally going to take whatever they say next out of their mouth extremely serious. Yeah. yeah, because it's like if you can say I don't know instead of just like right. pulling the first thing that comes out of your ass, then like you, right. I feel like you're more likely to be the kind of person that's actually going to do the research and actually form opinions based off of information and not just like, well, my next door neighbor said this from across the yard and I just right. automatically believed it. There was a billboard on the side of the road and I expect their credentials to be on par. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. But then again, in the world of censorship, kind of like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't just, you know, end or have major implications in uh, the social media realm. It's, you know, in politics, I think we've tapped on that, but I think it's even intertwined in individual relationships. You know, I've Mm -hmm. certainly been in friendships or even intimate relationships where I didn't feel 100% comfortable being me. And honestly, and that's a way, I guess, a form of censorship. If I cannot express myself freely or, fe- if, or you, I'm not making you feel uh, comfortable enough to express yourself freely, th- to me, that's a form of censorship. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. But, I agree completely. Anytime that you're in a relationship, whether it be with friends, family, or romantic partner, and you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells because you know that if you bring up this topic, if you say mm-hmm. this the wrong way, that they're going to have a very explosive reaction. Right. They are, in fact, you censoring you. You should be you. able to voice your concerns, or if you're having a problem in your relationship, or there's something that maybe is bothering you that needs to change, or your feelings are some type of way, you should be able to say those things without expecting them to react poorly or expecting them to blow up on you or whatever. You should be able to express yourself freely in all forms, period. Exactly, because... We get it. Like, people have bad reactions to certain things, but if it is, like, you are constantly trying to bring up the same thing and be like, hey, this is a concern. Hey, this is a concern. It's the same way that, like, TikTok or Instagram's like, no, that's not a concern. We're gonna pretend that that doesn't exist. If your partner or your family member is like, nope, that's not a concern. You're not allowed to bring that up anymore. It's the same thing. That's censorship. That is an issue that definitely needs to be addressed. That's part of the reason we're bringing this up today is, like, I know a significant amount of people to where they get their news, I'm putting that in quotes, all from Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Yeah. That's it, because they don't subscribe to any newspapers, they don't actually watch the news, Mm -hmm. they don't do research into all things. It's, oh, if it was on, I saw this on TikTok, so it must be true. Yeah. I'm sorry, didn't we learn in, like, eighth grade that you must cite your references, like, show where you got this information? Yeah, to make sure it's a credible source. Do yourself a favor. Check it out. Yeah, exactly. There was, when um, the whole Texas abortion ban first happened, literally there was a day John called me and he's like, hey, uh, I keep seeing all this stuff. Do you, like, know how much of this is true? Like, have you, can you forward me some articles if you've seen any? And, like, I really appreciate when people ask me to forward them articles or when, like, people forward me articles because that, to me, Ashley and I do that all the time. We screw see my, something. Screw the rest of, uh like, words of affirmation, love language, Mina sending me research articles, that's my love language right there. Uh, yes, because to me, I think sharing information is 
awesome. I don't know. Yeah. I can't. What, what's another good word for that? I don't know. Well, it's I, fascinating because yeah. then, like, you're both looking at the same thing and you can go, well, this is how I interpreted it. Yeah. That's how you interpreted it. Exactly. I think sharing knowledge is, like, the highest form of, I don't know, flattery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and on that t- a topic in particular, it was interesting because there was definitely... I was, I thought the ban in Texas or the thing that they implemented was completely ridiculous. But then, like, I see such over-the-top uh, references to, to that's happening with it. Yeah. But, see, because, like, I think uh, we're kind of, like, different individuals in the sense where, like, when I'm on a side of something, I'm actually more critical of, like, the information being true on that side because I want that information to be valid and credible because mm-hmm. I know we have the right argument. Mm-hmm. I don't need to make up X, Y, and Z right. when A, B, and C is already a good argument. Right. You know what I mean? So when I have outside sources or other people trying to be like, well, also X, Y, Q, Z, R, C, <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah. we don't need that. A, B, and C is the solid argument. argument. Yeah. And it's the same realm in other things. I'm very much into holistic medicine, using chiropractic care. You know, if there's something wrong with your body, I believe if we get your body right, that's the most powerful thing that could fight any type of affection, mental health, or even mm-hmm. just trying to gain uh, strength or fortitude in your lifestyle. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm going to acknowledge the importance of allopathic medicine and conventional medicine. Like if you need, if you break your leg and you come to my chiropractic office, I'll be like, I'm happy you trusted to come here. But, but bro, guess you what? need We're to go to the to hospital. The <laughs> and I'm going to make sure to get you a good medical doctor that knows how to address that. But then afterwards, all the other chronic issues and other things to make you and bring you to the highest potential of your life, that's what my interest is and let me help you get there. So when I hear people kind of exaggerate things in the holistic health community or kind of sell like snake oil or even over-exaggerate certain things of chiropractic care, I almost get, I, I try fact-checking that information first because I know the power of taking care of yourself, eating uh, proper nutrition, making sure that your nervous system is in mm-hmm. proper alignment. I know that the benefits of it are so good. A, B, and C is so solid. We don't need a bullcrap, even kind of theory, X, Y, Z argument. Mm-hmm. You know, let's first try to communicate A, B, C before we try, try screaming about X, Y, Z that in yeah. theory might be true, but like let's test all those realms before and gain credibility one thing at a time you know exactly and then you bring that back to the relationships too i think we're so you know hell-bent on trying to establish you know maybe who we are or maybe appeasing other people that we will censor ourselves. and i think that's where most censorship comes from censorship is not just one bad person telling someone else they can't speak it's also somebody being too f- afraid to be like, no, I, I, I think my val- my point is valid. I'm going to speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it takes both. It's not just one completely evil person. If we continue to get walked on all the time, we need at some point to be able to stand up for ourselves, whether it's on, you know, you know maybe I, I, I get that you people don't understand, you know, my opinion on this current health situation, but let me, let me explain it to you. Even though it would be easier for me to be like, just sit down and be like, you know what? I know this is going to be an emotional argument. I know you guys can't really have that right now, so I'm just not going to say anything. But So I can't then later on complain about them censoring me if I take the easy way out every time and not stand up for the things that I believe in. Absolutely. And I think that then right. goes intertwined and then also in a relationship that if we continue to allow a person to treat us poorly and then treat us a little more poorly next week, in a year from now, if we call them a monster, did, did, were we not the one feeding that person that became that monster? Exactly. Yeah. So, and again, there's there's a wide spectrum. There are people who, yes, completely lay it on too hard. And so there's someone who's almost a complete victim. There's somebody who's, you know, uh, only a monster and just a victim. But a lot of times, I think there's sometimes stuff in between there where a person can escape being that. Absolutely. We talked in a previous episode about how, you know, I think it was the love languages episode where saying like, it is up to you to communicate like, Hey, I need this from you as a partner. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you, you cannot consistently get mad at this person for not speaking in your love language when they have no idea what that is. You can't get mad at the person for not giving you what you need when you're not telling them what you need. Mm-hmm. All of that is important in the same way works in these types of conversations to where you have to be able to be upfront and honest and say, okay, like, Actually, right now, I'm not in a stage where I can have this conversation, but 
I want to have this with you. I want to challenge what you're thinking. Yeah. I want to be able to state my opinion. Yeah. And that's the way to go into this instead of, I'm feeling very emotional right now. I want to say fuck you and get out. That's not productive. Mm-hmm. And then what are you doing for yourself? Right. right. Like, who does that help in that situation, really? Who who benefits from that? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Because, like, everyone's going to feel bad. You're going to feel bad for saying it later on. And then they're going to feel bad. And they're going to feel unheard and unseen and maybe feel more censored. Like, they can't come and talk to you when they do have a problem again later. And that or just creates Or if they have a... questions. Like, yeah. you know, if you were to come to me with... With taxations, you and I have two different, not completely different, but two mm-hmm. different views. Yeah. And every time that we've had a conversation has been very civil because yeah. I'll come to you and be like, I genuinely have a question about this. Yeah. Like, I don't know where to go for information for this. Mm-hmm. Do you have links? Do you have articles? Because I'm curious. Right. You know, I want to know that what I believe in, I have support for. Right. So that way when somebody comes and asks me questions about it, I can say, no, I've seen your point. I've discussed this point with somebody that I know and can have an open conversation. And mm-hmm. so here we are. Yeah. Otherwise, once again, not productive. Exactly. And I think that open-mindedness that you have is so valuable because so many people don't have that. Their first response is, no, absolutely not. Won't even attempt to look at it. I'm Won't not going to touch that with Exactly. And that is so unproductive in general. I think the goal that we should all have is just to collect as much information as we can. Because, like, we have so much knowledge, especially right at our fingertips with cell phones I'm and using the two different phones Ashley's to look up statistics literally right sitting here <laughs> looking up statistics. Like, we have no excuse to... To not be educated. You have no excuse to not go and seek out cor- correct and, and effective mm-hmm. information. Like, why would you not? Isn't that fascinating, though? In, in the day of age where we have so much access to free information, where people have literally fought and died, so just the opportunity of maybe even a chance that their child would have access to an education, we now take for such granted. And same with, with health, too, and food. Like, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, there is... I've been a person where it's been more difficult to have money, to spend proper money on food. Trust me, I've lived in a car. I know. <laughs> but but the thing that's ironic, even though when I was in that situation, the opportunity that I had in this country, I was still able to get a good enough job to be able to afford food from places all around the world that 300 years ago a king didn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Again, somebody who was in extreme poverty had better access to food in this country than a king did several hundred years ago mm. and, and, and again there's several variables in there there's one i have to acknowledge the importance of food and have made that a priority in spending it you know opposed to maybe trying to save up for apartment or other things don't get me wrong i those things are very difficult but we have that opportunity but there's an amount of depression and angst and feeling that you cannot be successful when you're almost born with a higher level of success in this country than the majority of the human populations for our entire mm-hmm. existence if you're going back even 20,000 years. We yeah. cited that statistic before about um, the top 1% of the world right. and Americans and what was that? You had it. And it's, it's no longer exactly 1%, but it, it was just it was somewhere around the lines that... Um, we complain about the top 3% of the people in the United or, or the world having the like, majority of wealth and whatnot and how crazy that is. And then but if you look at it more of like a global, global economics and things that you have access to in this country, that if you live just in the middle class in this country, you're almost more or less in the top 5% in, in the entire world. So, you know, I mean, it all comes down to perspective. Yeah. And it's to the point where, like, like right now I'm currently working on a project in Uganda trying to, like, bring this orphanage water. And there's times I'm, like, about to take a picture of my food. And I'm, like, God, do I even post this? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm, like, it's it's such a simple thing for me to acquire. And they're, like, they're yeah. feeding, you know, 60 children out of one bowl with rice. And it's, like... Then I then I also think like holy crap! Fifteen minutes ago, I was like thinking about how rough my day was, and it's just like, well, I'm yeah. not even worried about having to feed these sixty children here right now. And so, I, and what's kind of almost like I don't really get too stressed out, but like the thought that boggles me is like, what's going on in their mind? Because like we talk about people here where we go on social media and we see things with they have people have crazy things like these yachts, these planes, yeah. and whatnot. And they're like, oh my god, if I just had this, I'd be happy. But then I'm like. 
what is what's the kid in uganda or afghanistan thinking right now when they're on their phone and see us complaining about the lives that we have here you know what i mean it's just like oh my god it like makes me sick that like at any point of my day i felt like not a complete gratefulness for the things that i have and see that's what i was talking about when i was posting all the stuff about afghanistan and trying to spread awareness about the situation there was just pretty much be grateful and that's not at all diminishing or or undervaluing the situations that we have here as far as civil rights or poverty or so on i'm not at all discrediting that we have those issues but i am saying look at it on a perspective like look at like anywhere in the world doesn't matter who you are or how poor you are like everything is about perspective and you can find happiness in literally anything and i hate how people are so i don't know upset or or critical or about their own lives and everything when you have so much more than you realize you have but because we are all so hell-bent on having to have more and wanting more and and like from a very young age it's always about oh like I want more of this I want more of that we need more of this and you know you grow up and it's well I have to get a good job so that I can make more money and it's always it's always about wanting more and waiting for the next good thing to happen waiting for the next big thing to happen that nobody ever takes a second to like sit in the moment that you're in and be grateful for what you have and be grateful for the moment like people keep reminding me that where I am in my life right now is where I have been wanting to be for years and now I'm here and I'm actually trying to take a minute to revel in it and enjoy the fact that I am where I once wanted to be and I think we've all been in that place at some points or another and I hate that people overlook that and it's so interesting to me still that people were so critical and so mean and like pushy and pushy pushing back on me saying like just trying to remind people to be grateful and right. not soon or not too long after I had posted all that Dr. Amen from the Amen clinic who's a very well-known neuro neurologist psychologist yeah. um posted a bunch of stuff about gratitude and saying that if he could bottle gratitude then that would be the cure to like everything right absolutely I had therapy this past Thursday and in it I was telling her I was like I just feel stuck I feel like I'm going backwards I'm not sure what's going on I don't know where to start and she was like take a look and just list three things that you've done this past week and one of those was trying to fix a situation with an Airbnb the other one's completely rescheduling my friend's bachelorette trip and I don't remember the third thing I listed was and she goes now was a single one of those things something you could have completed exactly a year from now and the answer was no yeah a year ago the answer was no, like I would not have been able to do that then. And she was like, so then why aren't you being proud of yourself? Why aren't you grateful for where you're at? Why aren't you thankful for the work that you've put into yourself? And I was like, okay, that's a fair point. And that's why, like, I, th- I think we beat up on, cause I think that there's two sides of the, the problem. It's sometimes being too focused on wanting more, but then there's the side of not being grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to beat up on the side of wanting more when, I think there's a lot of positive things from wanting more. You know, the I mean, motivation. It's, yeah, it's the okay. motivation for right. sure. Yeah, it's okay to want more in a relationship. It's okay yes. to want more respect. It's okay to want a better lifestyle for you and your family and whatnot. But then, yeah, but then exactly, you have to then. I think there's a the bigger problem in the, in the problem where a lot of the hate comes is from like victimhood mentalities and the not gratefulness and people settling type thing. And I think that's why people will literally get jealous when they see other people being successful or going after things. You know what I mean? You posted something awesome this week about that, like being proud of the people that you've trained or helped and so on, rather than being jealous of them for their accomplishments. And I think that's awesome. And that's how I am always with my friends too. I'm like, when I see someone winning, like one of my friends or even people that I just like follow online, whatever, I'm so proud of them. I'm like, oh my gosh, yay you. Like, that's so exciting. Cause like, that doesn't take anything away from me that they're Mm -hmm. winning. I'm so glad that they're winning. I'm so glad that they're like thriving and doing their thing and everything. And I've never understood why people get so like weird or try to gatekeep success or happiness. That's mm-hmm. so weird to me. Yeah, I think there's certain structures though that are built that kind of reward that though. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's such a false fallacy because I mean, any illusion of of winning yes you could have an illusion of winning by knocking other people down but true winning is you know racing against the strongest possible people and pushing yourself farther than you possibly thought you could go because Mm -hmm. you have that true competitiveness 
You know what I mean? And we, I mean, a lot of people, I think, have lost that aspect and have gravitated Maybe not even competitiveness, but also just, like, inspiration, you know? Like, I work very closely with um, a very talented photographer who's been doing it for 20 years now, and she is truly, like, unmatched, in my opinion. And working alongside her for the last six months, I genuinely believe that everything that I've done has become so much better like my work has become better my consistency has come better become better my confidence has been built so much just working alongside her and seeing how she does things and she inspires me you know and instead of her being like upset she's feeding me clients she's feeding me advice she's helping me grow and instead of like being weird about it and like gatekeeping oh no like we don't need more people in the industry because that's going to take business away from me she's very encouraging and I appreciate that so much and, and that's how you know people have, like elevated to the success to the point where like they're confident in themselves because i mean to cut slack to some people that do kind of you know because there's, there's a reason why so many people have these negative traits you know what i mean and i think there is some point of desperation people feel in their life where they don't feel like they can make it successfully on their own if they try because there's probably been this point in their life where they maybe kind of like put themselves out there a little bit and someone negative who probably already been tarnished in their own life of their own dreams were like no you can't do that it's a new you know take I mean? on generational trauma right mm-hmm. and so i think we kind of need to that's why I try not to freaking bash people too much or call them evil for having those traits because I'll give you a quick secret. I've had those traits at points in my life. What? (laughs) You've had faults? (laughs) Yeah, plenty. (laughs) Who would have thought? So I don't look at the person being super negative or or pointing at somebody hoping that they fail and being like, wow, I couldn't ever do that because I'm not going to lie. There's been times I've helped hoped other people failed at things because at at that certain point in my life, things weren't going my way and chasing my dream was so freaking terrifying that I needed every excuse in the world not to chase mine and seeing other people Mm -hmm. chase their dreams. Every time I had to see that, acknowledge it, I didn't see them succeeding as much as I saw my own bull crap that I was laying out there. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, I know that's what people were doing. And, I, and that's why I try to be honest with to them, too, so cause they'll be like, okay, he kind of gets it. I might not still admit it. You know, I've never done anything like that in my life. But I think at one point, you know, maybe hopefully one person's listening to this and they're like, you know what? Maybe I am making excuses for myself. And maybe if that dude, he also was me at one point and then he became successful in these different ways. Maybe I too could be successful when whatever it is you want to be doing or what that person may want to be doing. Do you want to talk a little bit about like how you got to where you are? Because I think your story is very inspiring. Oh yeah, sure. Also, if you ever want a book ghost written, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) That's facts. I would watch that movie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll give kind of like the long story short for this one, but um, because I know this uh, podcast isn't like just about me per se, but so <laughs> <Disagree>. just about, <laughs> but, but, but long story short, like I kind of grew up in uh, a household that actually kind of was normal for a little bit of time, which almost kind of made it more stressful when it became a household that was no longer normal. And there is many variables in that that made it unnormal. I but, think a lot of people can relate uh, to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I had parents that, you know, weren't bad people, but for, I think, a period of time kind of got more focus on the other interrelationships that they were dealing with. And, you know, uh, me and my siblings were kind of thrown out in a wild a little bit to kind of figure out life for, on our own a little bit. And, you know what, there was a lot of negative uh, things with that, but also some positive things. I was very Probably lucky. Probably wouldn't be extent. you without right. that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just having to learn how to in- get along with so many different cultures or households and being able to try to be accepted in so many homes as such a young kid to try to possibly stay for one more meal or hopefully they'll let me mm-hmm. sleep over at night so I don't have to go home. So I actually kind of started the unconventional war theory before I even became a green beret. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> blending in and building rapport with the local populace. So like, it's like you were built for that job. Right, and it's strange. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's also what has allowed me to be more flexible with, you know, seeing bull crap on all sides of the aisle, because I think our initial, uh, things that we kind of, 
defend even if they're wrong is is our family when we're growing up especially if mm-hmm. we have tight if we're close mm-hmm. with our family you know we'll bet butt heads with our family we'll you go know, in just, we'll we can go know hard. that they're wrong nobody else we're, can tell us they're yeah, wrong yeah exactly exactly and i think that's where it kind of starts um you know what i mean because i mean most people are going to have the politics of their parents most people are going to have a general cultural base language uh identity what he- foods are healthy not healthy what things are important to put in my body not put in my body what that person should be doing with their life what they shouldn't be doing with their life type things and all of a sudden i didn't i no longer had that type of uh, interpersonal culture that was that structured right so i didn't have this kind of protection but then i also at the same time didn't have the bull crap with inside of those realms that I had to defend at all costs. You know what I mean? So I was able to just be like, no, that's kind of bull crap, mom, or that's mm-hmm. kind of bull crap, dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'll tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't care you know who you I mean? are. I'm going and off. And so like, you know, being young, I'd have my certain, <laughs> you know, liberal identities and then being in the military, I'd have more conservative identities. You know what I mean? So, but at any given point, when something didn't look right or smell right, I'd be like, look, I completely agree with you guys here on this point, but I don't know why we're also doing this. You know what I mean? So I didn't ever really had too much of an issue with, with that. And I think that's what allowed me to do that. But anyway, so I failed a whole bunch of times. I got in a bunch of trouble doing other things. It's amazing. I was even able to join the military. <laughs> a, a lot of luck, a little bit of skill, but hey, we made it. <laughs> a lot of talking. Yeah. And eventually I failed so many times in my life and but also always knew, you know, just like I believe everybody has this, that there's more that we could be doing. We, there's a higher purpose for all of us. There's mm-hmm. amazing things that we could do, even if it's just having a positive relationship with another human being. I wasn't doing really any of those at a certain point in my life, but I knew I had the ability to. So I wanted to find something that I could completely commit myself to. And I always kind of was attracted to like the journey in the military, the fighting, the, you know, going to help people who couldn't help themselves and you had to stand in that quarter with them type thing mm-hmm. but didn't you also go to college first and then oh yeah. yeah when i was listing off things i failed that was one of them <laughs> so yeah i went to uh college out in colorado and it just was not working out the way it was i had certain promises made to me that weren't really held up but you know what i mean i was a young guy at the time 17 18 years old you know i mean i was in charge of my own life but i think i was relying on too many other people uh for me to be successful and there's so many things happened that where it wasn't working where i eventually dropped out of college so so. going back to that episode that we did almost in the very beginning Mm -hmm. um for people who are contemplating dropping out of college and so on like that's not the end of the world you can still have a great career and life and so on and there's lots of other things you can do if you don't feel like college is the right place for you but also maybe college isn't the right place for you right now yeah because you eventually (laughs) went back (laughs) i mean right yeah yeah now i finished uh the pre-medical program at florida state getting my bachelor's in science through the college of medicine there with a 3.8 when I barely graduated high school, dropped out of Golf college, my first attempt. <laughs> and yeah, now I'm getting my doctorate uh, after being a Green Beret. So again. And all this started with really... being a college dropout. Right. So, yeah, you know, exactly. just kind of right. follow 100%. the wind. And, and again, like, yeah. it wasn't easy. <laughs> and it was, even now, like those words don't feel good coming out of your mouth. So like, I get it. Like when it's not working, like it's as hard as it is for me to say now that was a college dropout. Like that was the last thing I wanted to say when I was 18, 19 years yeah, old, trying yeah. to fool the world that I'm a man. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just like, oh crap. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and then, and again, like I did it with the military, but you can kind of do it with anything in your life where you just completely commit yourself. I have to a full time career. Right. And like when you do that and you have something that you have to make sacrifices for, that you have to wake up early in the morning for, mm-hmm. that you have to push yourself um, in ways that you wouldn't do uh, typically that you have before for anything in your life in the past. That's what's going to lead to greatness because it's not. Ne- whatever it is that's just the variable it's what you're doing in the meantime to achieve that that leads to greatness you know what i mean like again like getting the green beret was only incredible because of the journey i had to go through to get it you know mm-hmm. what i mean and in that course when you struggle to get to an accomplishment right. it feels so good when you get there right exactly and and i was actually listening to uh, another neuroscientist not too long ago and she was 
I've, I've heard the one way talked about, which I'll initially talk about, but the inverse side of it is what actually fascinated me, was the, the reward versus pain uh, center in, in your brain. And it's hardwired very closely to together that when you're given a reward that you actually kind of have to come back down to maintain that homeostasis. And that's a problem with a lot of drugs and why you hear people who do particularly drugs that kind of show you how evil they are at first, um, like heroin. And that's why they call it chasing the dragon because Mm -hmm. your first high apparently is so incredible. And I unfortunately know this because I have had um, known people that have struggled with heroin and it's, it's fascinating to listen talk about it because it's so blunt and I almost wish all our negative things in our life were so obvious because they get this incredible high, but then they go back down and they go below the line of homeostasis to where they feel like crap, but then they slowly come back up and they take that drug again, trying to reach that peak on the uh, opposite side of that homeostasis line, but they can't really get as high as they can. Mm-hmm. Then they drop back down. But then when they go below that homeostasis and feeling negative again, they go a little bit lower than they were last time. And so they keep going a little bit lower below homeostasis, but and they keep, they never go up as high again. They keep going lower and lower and lower. Mm-hmm. And so it gets to the point, and this is where the neuroscientists were trying to say this is when you're a true addict, was that when you are, when, when you wake up in the morning, you were below what your homeostasis was when you started that drug and then now instead of chasing that dopamine rush you're chasing your homeostasis Mm -hmm. to the point like you are so below and pain and feeling like crap and depressed that you're no longer taking that drug to get that initial high that chasing that dragon you are now literally chasing your homeostasis yeah a lot of addicts say that they continue to do the drug to feel like a person again yeah Mm -hmm. right and i think we could you know Heroin's such a clear and obvious answer, but we could say that with anything. We could say with alcohol, which I'm currently drinking right now. <laughs> but, you know, we could say it with a relationship. We could say it with tobacco. We could say it with other things. Anything that kind of gives us a distraction from what we're actually trying to do in our life, we have these fillers. I have these fillers, but it's just like how well do we manage these fillers? But and the thing that I really enjoyed about that, uh, her conversation, and she talked about the inverse relationship to that pain dopamine receptor is true as well. That if we have these delayed sense of gratifications, that if we actually pull ourselves under that homeostasis, whether it's some type of physical or mental training or waking up or going to do four photo shoots, you know, in a weekend or something like that, (laughs) where it's just like crazy, but that reward that you get while you're keeping yourself down, that natural high dopamine rush is so much more rewarding. And then to the point where, people who almost truly master it, particularly if, if they do it at young ages, you see levels of greatness to where it, they have to be, it, they're, they're addicts. Mm-hmm. But it's almost in a way that's quote unquote healthy in our society, if you want to call it that, because we success. reward mm-hmm. them. I mean, you look at any true, true um, person that has that type of level of success. I think Michael Jordan's like the perfect example of it again i'm kind of grew up more of in the 90s so i use more of those analogies <laughs> michael jordan for people who are familiar with him is fascinating watching somebody like that just who doesn't know who michael jordan right? is yeah i mean we all know michael jordan but like unless you saw him play <laughs> you know at the united center in chicago and it was just very something specifically incredible. yes this is a very specific you know situation I mean? it was fascinating not just because of just wondering are we going back play. to a memory here or <laughs> maybe i don't know where we're going but anyway <laughs> do we ever know right. the the point is you know what i mean is just like the inverse of whatever your addiction is it can be a positive thing and it doesn't have to be to the complete exaggeration of somebody like michael jordan who ultimately becomes addicted with his success mm-hmm. um but we can be addicted with our gratitude and happiness and i think that's a cool goal to chase i agree Absolutely. um so i've mentioned this before but my grandmother studied psychology and she actually told me this week um about a, a study or an article she read in college that she has implemented in her life every single day since then um where literally every single day all you have to do to feel to chase that natural dopamine high is accomplish one thing and that one thing could be something as simple as cleaning out the junk drawer we all have one 
We all have one. Tackle that drunk drawer. Find one thing to feel accomplished about in a day. Find one thing for you to accomplish and that is a natural way for you to build your um, happiness and chase that natural dopamine because like like we were talking about accomplishments and so on and when you like have those lows and you're going through stuff that's hard or you're pushing yourself to to like your absolute max and then once you get through it and you like get through that wall or whatever it is you feel so good about it those little accomplishments can give you a similar thing and that's the best way to fight seasonal depression because I know that's a big thing that a lot of people are going to start falling into right about now is find one thing to do to feel accomplished about even if that's get up and take a shower or go get the mail from the mailbox because I know we've all waited a couple days to get the mail out (laughs) at one point or another like so find one thing every day to do to feel accomplished about and it can be a small thing it can be a big thing whatever but that will help you kind of stay at your homeostasis kind of thing like that'll kind of help you teeter above that line hopefully because when you do nothing in a day that makes you feel accomplished then you're more likely to feel bad or let your seasonal depression get to you so oh absolutely I have a tendency I like to make lists Mm-hmm. Of, like, everything. Grocery list, to-do list, mm-hmm. cleaning list, whatever it Feels is. Feels so good to check off those boxes. Yeah, but I had a tendency to get overwhelmed because I would write every possible thing that I needed to do over whatever period of time. And so what I literally did was I just started ripping that to-do list. I'd rip it into quarters or halves, depending on how much time I had in that day. Because looking at the smaller list, but knowing I was completing one or two things off of that list, felt so much mm-hmm. better than seeing, oh, I had 22 things to do and I did two of them. Yeah, I write all my uh, my lists on sticky notes because they're smaller, so I can only put so much on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, but um, I think it's time to wrap this episode up. It's been a very good episode. I mean, we definitely got off on a little bit of a tangent here for a minute, but that's okay. It happens. Um, yeah. But, you know, to sum it all up, Censoring happens in everything in life, not just social media. It is a very hot topic in social media right now and communication in general, but think about censoring in your life in general and pay attention to if you maybe are censoring somebody in your life and and if you're keeping somebody from being able to express their true feelings or whatever and and so on, you know. It, It doesn't just apply to social media and um Another moral of the story is John is like our Yoda. He's very wise. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say one more thing. I was going to touch on it, but you already beat me to it. And it was that, you know, we too could be that person censoring somebody else. Yeah. You know, are we and keeping somebody else from being comfortable to express who they truly are? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So maybe like when you are at a better point in your life and you have a better understanding and have better sense of your own surrounding maybe try to see if you're doing that with yeah. other people because i because i've done that as well yeah i know i've probably made people feel uncomfortable around me i could sometimes be a little aggressive as far as the way i communicate especially if i'm teaching more like military stuff and whatnot i'm like man i wonder how many people have felt uncomfortable coming up to me at one point in life i've dramatically changed from that person who was constantly training you know soldiers and whatnot but um, and then the last thing about censorship, I would say, is to taking it one more step beyond not censoring other people is also not censoring yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing that I continue to work on. If we don't speak out. up, then we will leave our children a world where they can't. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that works in your relationships as well. If you are not getting what you need, if you're not able to say what you need to say, that is a time to really start questioning you know, is this truly something that I need? And am I with somebody who, okay, they can't discuss this right now? Or are they absolutely unopen to being an active participant? Right. You don't want to create a habit out of that or let that slide so many times that it just becomes your normal. Correct. Because that can become your homeostasis and it's not productive. Yep. Well, anyways, um, it's been a great episode. Thank you so much, John, for coming on today. cheers. Appreciate you guys having me. (laughs) Absolutely. So glad you're here. Please come back soon. You already know I will. (laughs) Well, until next time, everybody, please remember to make make good good choices. choices.